Welcome to the official unofficial podcast dedicated to Eastern Washington athletics. This is the Eagles Power Hour, an affiliate member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. Introducing your hosts, standing at a staggering 5 foot 10 inches tall. He's not a myth. He's not a legend. He's just that idiot who thinks it's a great idea to paint his chest in 10 degree weather for an Eastern Washington football game. Now, based out of Houston, Texas, Kyler Neal. The other host is a local firefighter. He saves kittens by day. Talks EWU sports by night. He is six foot two without heels and has a vertical of 32 inches. Based out of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Yours and my favorite Eagles Power Hour host, Rusty Kramer. Without further ado, here it is the greatest podcast in the big sky the Red Turf Repping Eagles Power Hour. Welcome, Eagles Nation. Uh, this is the Eagles Power Hour. Um, I um, apologize for missing all of last week. Uh, it's just to give you a little bit of an update on what's been going on. So I live in Houston. I do not live in Washington or the West Coast or even Arizona anymore. I live in Houston, Texas, for you guys that don't know. We had a hurricane that kind of popped through the area last week. Uh, it wasn't bad. My house was not affected at all. But... I work in the hurricane industry, right? Um, work in a very sexy job where I sell hurricane windows to people, right? So at the end of the day, when hurricanes come through the area, there's definitely some areas of Texas that got hit worse than others. So my job becomes an extremely busy job. Um, I go to a lot of houses that had, you know, actual trees and windows and stuff like that. So it seems like ever since that hurricane that happened on, I think it was last Monday, Tuesday. Um, I have been working from about 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. Um, every single day besides Sunday. Um, even Saturday, I'm working a lot. Um, so six days a week, just trying to trying to get it. I'm a little tired today, but you know what? I can't miss two weeks in a row. Uh, I am the only guy doing this for this season. And I, I can't miss two weeks in a row. It, it's so I apologize, guys, but hey, I'm safe. I'm sound. Um, it's about what is it, 9 p.m. here, uh, Central Standard Time. Just got home not too long ago. Uh, worked kind of a, another 14 hour day, but we're going to plug away and we're going to talk about some Eastern Washington football, right? Uh, we have a lot of things to go over from what's been happening the last few weeks. Plus, we're going to preview a game against Southern Utah, Utah, you know, that new whack school. Uh, They're not really a big sky school anymore, Uh, even though they're on the big sky schedule. I don't consider them big sky anymore. They are whack. So we have one more out of conference game, Um, even though it is a conference game. I'm just not going to consider it one. Goodbye. Good riddance. But before we do that, we have some exciting news, guys. Um, So. This whole ESPN deal that we basically signed as a conference, the big sky signed a conference with ESPN. Um, plus, you know, I already talked about that in my preview season episode. Well, what happened was they picked two games that were going to be on national TV, right? Uh, Montana state traveling down to Weber state. That was going to be on, um, ESPN U or maybe even ESPN two. I'm not sure. Um, Montana at Eastern Washington was supposed to be on ESPN U. Well, 
not a lot of great games going out west uh, next next weekend. Not this weekend, but the weekend after. And when you see a lot of those not great FBS games, then you see a Montana team who beat Washington. You see an undefeated both teams. You know, Montana and Eastern Washington are undefeated right now. You see a Walter Payton Award finalist and potentially the winner this year, Eric Berrier. It makes for good TV. So ESPN decided this is a game that we just cannot put on ESPNU. We are going to upgrade this to ESPN2. So overall, I know the first game, the first home game on ESPN Plus against Central Washington, pretty big letdown, right? Uh, I could not watch that game at all being an Eastern Washington fan because I don't live locally and I couldn't log on to like SWX online or anything like that. It was supposed to all be through ESPN plus streaming service. Not none of it showed up. Um, it was a streaming issue, I believe on the school. So that made it a little tough. makes you lose a little bit of faith going into this, but overall, then you get news like this and guess what? Still amazing decision. Eastern Washington is on ESPN two. This is going to be the sixth game, um, nationally televised game on the Inferno. So I think that is pretty cool. We've been in about eight or nine nationally televised games since 2010. Um, but this one, it's another Inferno game. It's going to be a Montana game. That's all we're going to get into. We're not going to dive into that game yet because that's next week's episode that we have so much to talk about with Montana and Eastern Washington. So we are not going to dive into that right now, but that is really exciting news and it's enough for us to basically just cheers, right? So we're going to cheers. Oh, I do not like Miller light. Miller light is disgusting. When was the last time I've ever had a Miller light guys? I don't drink a lot of that type of beer, the cheap beer. Um, so it is what it is, but guys, we had a game last weekend. Um, Interesting game last weekend. So Eastern Washington, 2-0 uh, after we beat UNLV and after we beat Central Washington, we are traveling to Western Illinois, who was 0-2. You know, they lost to, um, I forgot, they lost to a close FBS team and then they got pummeled by Montana. So we were going over there. This was a part, supposed to be the, the second game in our home-and-home home series, if you're not familiar with that. They were supposed to come to Cheney during basically the COVID cancellation of the fall. So we couldn't make that happen. I forgot. I think we're rescheduling with them. So they're going to come over to us. But yeah, we had to go over to Western Illinois, who isn't a very good team. And for those who maybe did not watch this game and you just saw the score, it it was a very interesting game. Um, for one, the commentators. Okay. I'm not going to, I'm not going to crap on you guys because it's pretty cool. Western Illinois does this for their home games. They have actually college kids that are the announcers. So, you know, they don't have a lot of experience. Um, you can tell when you're listening to it, but how cool of an opportunity you are broadcasting on ESPN plus uh, you're getting a lot of experience. You're having a good time. They were having a good time, um, but sometimes it was a little painful to listen to, but overall like props to you kids, um, you college kids who are actually announcing the game. I thought you did overall a good job. Um, Keep it up. I, I think it's just cool. You don't normally see that. But when we're diving in strictly into the game, let's just talk about this. I'm just going to talk about the final score real quick, and then we'll go into positives, negatives, and all that jazz. Who would have thought you're going to get a, a a 62 score from Eastern Washington? I mean, 
that seems like a lot of points after Montana. I think it was like 45 to 10 or something like that, that they just played Western Illinois. So 62 seemed a little bit absurd. We were like, ah, we're probably not going to score 62. Um, I think my prediction was probably about a 42 to 27. I think that's what I predicted. Something around there. I didn't think we were going to have the same type of game as a Montana, just because we haven't played the best on the road. And it's a, you know, it's a different environment to bring your own energy environment. But the offense brought all the energy. I mean, we scored 62 points, and a bulk of that was in the first half. We scored, what was it, 55 points in the first half. Then we just kind of coasted offensively uh, throughout the second half. But offense, you played amazing. Eric Berrier, 31 for 45, 542 yards and six touchdowns. You broke an NCAA halftime record, at least for the FCS um to where you had what was it 487 passing yards and six touchdowns in the first half insane i mean fat stat if you guys ever listen to the believe podcast network with sean anderson and um de leon well guess what that is a fat stat i haven't listened to it this week but i'm sure he's gonna go on the fat stat award dennis merritt 12 carries 148 yards two touchdowns amazing johnny edwards he had three receptions 126 yards two touchdowns offensively Hats off. You you look spectacular offensively. This was a team where um, Montana was struggling versus Western Illinois in the first half. Western Illinois was doing all that they could to Montana in the first half. They couldn't do anything to our offense that first half. I mean, just look at our drives. Here are the first drives we had. Okay. Um, Eastern Washington, touchdown. It was six plays, 65 yards in a minute 27. Okay. The second drive. Eastern Washington touchdown, Justice Jackson, five-yard touchdown run, but eight plays, 75 yards, two minutes, 23 seconds. That's a slow drive for this game for Eastern Washington. Okay, third drive. Dennis Merritt, 33-yard pass touchdown from Eric Berrier, six plays, 75 yards, two minutes, 18 seconds. The fourth drive, Johnny Edwards, 76 yards from Eric Berrier, two plays, 75 yards, 37 seconds. Okay, here's the next drive. Uh, Limu Jones, 51 yard pass from Eric Berrier, three plays, 88 yards, 52 seconds. Next drive, Freddie Roberson, 34 yards er pass from Eric Berrier, six plays, 67 yards, under two minutes. Dennis Merritt, uh, 22 yard run in, uh, three plays, 65 yards, under a minute. Uh, then, you know, the last drive of the second or the first half, four plays, 79 yards, 38 seconds. We were scoring whenever we wanted, however we wanted. There was nothing that Western Illinois could do to our offense that first half. We went, what was that? Um, seven for seven. No, eight for eight. <laughs> yeah, eight. we went eight for eight with touchdowns. And the average drive was about a minute and maybe 20 seconds. I mean, that's that's insane. I, I mean, my math was off. I didn't even try and do math right there. I'm just kind of guessing after reading some of those. But here's the negative side of the ball. Western Illinois is not that strong of an offense, right? Montana State held them pretty low. Um, we let them score 56 points, guys. I I mean, it is what it is. I'm going to break, break down what my thought process was on why they were able to score this much, but... Overall, horrible defensive output. Um, 
when you're letting a, a team like Western Illinois, who their offense isn't as bad as some people are thinking, you know, they were very competitive with ball state. That's who it was. They were competitive with ball state. They're putting up some actual points. Uh, Montana definitely outdid them. Um, they completely shut them down, but Western Illinois isn't a horrible offensive team. They're not this good though. They are not 56 points good offensively. They, I mean, like I said, I thought we were going to win uh, 42 by to 27, something around there, or maybe it was 24. I forgot what my pregame uh, prediction was. I have it written down somewhere, but that's about what I thought would happen. I thought they'd score about 27 points. Let's double that. Uh, <laughs> this was not supposed to happen. So how we started off the game. This, if, if you were watching the game or, you know, going there, Western Illinois, it seems like it is a bring your own energy game. Our defense was lethargic. They were slow. They had zero energy to start the game. Um, even though we scored right away and then they scored right away. I sent a text to a group message like this game's already boring. Like I, I don't see any type of energy. I don't see any type of pride defensively or anything like that. And of course this game was anything but boring when you, when you watch it, I mean, 62 to 56, that is not a boring game. That is a, what the hell game. That's an exciting game. That's a shootout. I mean, Eastern Washington fans, we've, if you've been following this team all last decade or, you know, the last 11 years or whatnot, even before that, this is, this is nothing new. We have been in these types of shootouts with bad teams, with good teams. This happens, but how we got in the shootout with this team, that's, that's what's kind of a little bit of a head scratcher. So they, they score on their first three drives. Um, fairly easy too. You know, I mean, it took them a little bit longer to score. I mean, one was a minute 25. The other one was three and a half minutes. The other one was uh, about three minutes. So, I mean, compared to our drives, it was definitely taking them a little longer, but at the end of the first quarter, it was 28-21. We just didn't look good. Um, they were able to score pretty much whenever they wanted um, in the first quarter. Uh, the, the nice thing was our defense did pick up steam. They did pick up momentum. They completely shut them down in, in Q2. You know, quarter two, it was one of those things. Western Illinois, it looks like, hey, guess what? We figured them out. This is what we thought they were going to be. Um, we completely shut them out. And at the end of halftime, it was 55-21, right? That's the end of the first half, 55-21. We were absolutely blowing them out the door. We're like, all right, this game's going to get ugly pretty fast. Something something changed in that second half. Uh, you know, they came out swinging. They they scored in two minutes. So it brought the score to 55-28. to And then, of course, one play from Eastern Washington with Dennis Merritt, 73-yard touchdown. Um, so we scored in 14 seconds. Again, that is our first uh, first nine drives. Now our average score is probably under a minute, pretty close in the first nine drives. That does hurt your defense. The defense is out there, but it's 62, 28. And then, you know, they, they have another score in the third quarter. It is what it is. 62, 35. That's fine. But Eastern Washington couldn't get anything really to go offensively after that. Um, and then the fourth quarter complete, utterly shut down uh, a collapse of our defense uh, Western Illinois, they ended up scoring 28 unanswered points that, you know, brought brought it back to 62 to 56. You know, I think we had the game secure. Uh, I was definitely getting a little nervous there at the end because we've seen this type of meltdown before. You know, th this type of a game reminded me a lot of Jacksonville State in 2019. For one, the weather was about the same. Uh, so it was, you know, about a 90 degree day, tons of humidity. And that was in both games, Jacksonville State and this one. We come out guns blazing. We come out hot. 
we punch them in the throat. It looks like they have not seen a team like us before. And then the second half, complete collapse. We start, we really start to cramp. I mean, Eric Berrier had to be pulled out for a few drives because he was cramping. He had to get some IVs. You can see a couple other people falling down with cramps. The wide receivers, they stopped catching balls, like easy, easy drops um, that they weren't making the full first half. Um, and then, of course, our lines started just to break down defensively. I mean, they were having a hard time doing anything. It was a pretty pathetic defensive um, basically outing. I mean, I, I don't think we can hide that or lie about that. It's not a good defensive showing to give Western Illinois 56 points. But I don't think most Eastern fans are nervous, or I don't even know if most Eastern fans are nervous. Uh, the FCS nation is more just saying, hey, Eastern Washington, Paperweight Tiger, they look to be real bad. They, they can't win these types of games defensively. So every team is going to be able to do what they want. I don't think that's really going to be the case. I think we're going to, I don't think we're an elite defense by any means. I don't think we're a good defense right now. We need to kind of prove it a little bit. I think we showed a lot of promise in the first two weeks this week, completely eliminated that promise that we saw in the first two weeks. Uh, so that is a little bit of a tough pill to swallow, but at the end of the day, here's a couple of the reasons why I think we really started to collapse. One, we need to stop scheduling these early August, September games in anything that is 80 plus percent humidity and 90 degrees. Uh, we we've completely collapsed the last few times we've been in those types of games. Uh, we didn't do well against Texas tech. We didn't do well against Jacksonville state. We didn't do well against Western Illinois. Um, the only times that we're doing not that bad when we're traveling on the road to some of these very humid environments is when they're in a dome. Uh, we put up a lot of points against North Dakota state in a dome. Uh, when we were traveling there early September, August type of time period, we put up points against Northern Iowa, who was really tough to put up points against. And we were able to, you know, play well. It, I mean, it wasn't one of those things where we were collapsing. We weren't cramping. We weren't doing any of that. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. Um, whenever we go to some of these locations that fourth quarter, it, we are so exhausted. I don't know if this is a conditioning issue. Um, I don't know if it's one of those things where after the North Dakota state game in the spring playoffs, we were like, Ooh, we need to hit the physicality gym. You know, we need to go to the gym. We need to get more physical. We need to pack on muscle and, you know, get stronger because they were pushing us around. It wasn't because we were out conditioned or, I mean, NDSU has a great conditioning program, but it wasn't because we were getting tired or anything like that. They were just beating us. This was different. Our lines were absolutely dominating Western Illinois until they started collapsing, until they started tiring. I mean, once you're putting those hands on those knees every single drive, right before they're, it's hiked, I mean, they look exhausted. I don't know if it's a conditioning issue. I also don't know, do we have the right proper procedures for hydrating in these type of situations? Why are we cramping this much? I don't ever remember us cramping this much, um, but it is only happening when we're going to these types of environments. I don't know what is going on, if this could be changed by coaching or anything like that. But here's also one thing to look at. The offense is phenomenal. They're playing lights out. Well, you're not helping out the defense when you're scoring this fast. The defense was on the field so many times. I mean, Eastern Washington, like I said, had eight drives in the first uh, half. Eight offensive drives. That means they were on defense eight times. And the thing is, when you are when your offense is scoring and you're thinking you're going to get a break, 
um, or when your offense is out on the field and you think you're going to get a break, but that break is less than a minute. How much time do you have to rest? How much time in these human environments do you have to put IVs in? Do you have to get rehydrated? Do you have to rest? Do you have to work on your cramping issues? Not a lot. It also could be a depth issue on defense. I mean, let, let's be real. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how many times we're rotating. I can't really, I didn't see too many times. I don't know if we're just relying on pretty much the same guys a bulk of the time. I mean, you see some of the top tier teams like a James Madison, like a North Dakota state defensively, their rotation is drastic. It's almost every single player. They're rotating guys in and out. I mean, they have so much depth on defense. We have a lot of depth on offense. We, I mean, we are proven, proven every single year, every single game defensively. I don't, I don't know if it's the same. Um, I think this is one of those games where we just had to kind of take it with a grain of salt. Maybe, maybe blame it on conditioning. Maybe blame it on the weather. Maybe blame it on we started coasting. You could see the play calling change a little bit too offensively when we were already up real big. I don't know if we kind of thought at halftime this game's over. We already won. Who cares? But what we were doing in the first half is, you know, a little bit of running, but it was uh, a little short play, short play, wide open, giant play. <laughs> I mean, that that's kind of the goal. The, the the play calling completely changed in the second half. But let's give credit maybe to Western Illinois, who started figuring us out a little bit more in the second half. Also, we were a little slower, um, you know, hydration-wise. We were conditioning-wise. We just looked slower in the second half, and I'm sure that has to do a lot with the weather on that aspect because we're not used to that. Cheney is a dry location. It does not get that hot, does not get that humid. It'll get in like the 90s and 100 degrees, but it's that's in August and it's not humid. I mean, I've lived in Washington, in Western Washington. I've lived in Eastern Washington. I've lived in Phoenix. Now I live in Houston. I will take a 115 day in Phoenix playing golf and be totally fine. If I'm out in this Houston weather mowing my lawn in 90 degree weather for five minutes, I hate life. It is tough to breathe. You can feel it. It is just a different, different altogether feeling. I'm sure it's like uh, what the Southern teams feel when they go up North during the playoffs. A lot of the times they're like, Oh, this, this is cold. We've never experienced that. I mean, ask Jacksonville state if they like going up to Maine, if they like going up to all these different locations, most of the time they'll tell you, no, they didn't even like Frisco when they went to the national championship game. They thought that was way too cold to be playing football. in. So I think it's just a little bit of the opposite way too hot for our guys to be playing football in. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is, but yeah, time of possession. We had the ball for 24 minutes and most of that was in the second half when we were starting to, you know, put pump, you know, stop the, or I guess pump the brakes a little bit when we were letting off the gas, started to coast a little bit, but Western Illinois, 35 minutes and they were scoring real fast in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, defense. We need we need to give that defense a little bit of time to breathe, man. Uh, offense, though, it, it is pretty hard to say stop scoring when you are starting to dominate like that. So it is what it is. Dennis Merritt, though, congrats. You had a huge game. Johnny Edwards, you had a big game. Eric Berrier, you had a huge game. Um, it's pretty impressive what we have seen so far from our team offensively. But if we don't clean up the defense a little bit, we have a pretty tough conference schedule. It's, it's going to be hard to beat some of those teams. You know, UC Davis looks fantastic. So um, Montana looks fantastic. Montana State looks fantastic. Weber, Jay Hills figured us out a little bit. Um, so when you're looking at some of our conference games, we have by far 
the toughest conference schedule outside of maybe Northern Colorado. I mean, that's, that's my personal opinion. We play all the top teams besides us because we can't. So we have a very tough conference schedule. The good news is we started three and zero. that hasn't happened since 2007. So we have a little bit of a buffer. And since I've been going to school at Eastern, I don't think we've ever had less than a five and three season, but we are averaging above six and two, at least since we got the Inferno, right? So the good news is if we go six and two, hundred percent, we're locked in for the playoffs. If we go five and three, probably on a bubble, but I still like our chances with that FBS win. That's what the committee likes a lot. So I like our chances with that, but we do need to clean up some things. I, I mean, a lot of promise, a lot of things to be really happy on about, but also a little bit to be nervous about. There was one of those, um, there's, there's a Montana fan online. He basically said, Hey, Eastern Washington, best offense in the country. But this team resembles a lot like the 2014 Eastern Washington team. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that team. That was, you know, Vernon Adams. We had Cooper Cup. We had a lot of playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. And when you're looking at some of this, okay, we lost a game to UW 52 to 59. That was amazing. I'm not too mad about that game. But we beat Sam Houston State to start off the season 56-35. We played a D2 team 41 to 9. Um, we played Montana state 52 to 51. Okay. We played Idaho state 56, 53. Okay. We gave up a lot of points that season. We were scoring a lot, but we gave up a lot. Portland state who was not great. Uh, let's see where, where did Portland state finish? They finished two and six and three and nine overall that year. We, we let them score 34 points. That's probably what Western Illinois would have scored. If we didn't start cramping, let's be real. Now that team, we went into the playoffs. You know, we we got into, uh, we got a bye. We played Montana. We won. We beat them 37 to 20. And then we played Illinois State in the quarterfinals. And we lost 46-59. Yeah, so far this team maybe does resemble that 2014 team. Very talented offensively. Very fun to watch offensively. But potentially we're going to give up some points in when you're going to give up some points or when you're going to play some of those top tier teams in the postseason. It's it's going to be difficult. So, I mean, we played one, two, three, four, five ranked teams throughout the year. We went four and one versus them, but we gave a lot of points to them. Yeah, I think this team kind of does resemble that 2014 team to start the season. So we'll have to see how it plays out. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of my feeling. I think that is a good analogy of where this team is compared to maybe our other years. I don't think it's quite like the 2016. Um, I don't think it is, you know, like 2018 or 2012. Or I think I think it's a good comparison. This may be a 2014 team where you're like, they have all the talent in the world to be a national title contender. There could be one little aspect of this team that's holding them back. And it might be that defensive side of the ball. We're going to be able to score on a lot of teams, but we're going to, we're going to need to stop some teams. So now let's, let's just go around. That was a little recap of Western Illinois. I know I like to ramble on a lot because you know what, when you're talking to yourself and you don't have an agenda, you just ramble, deal with it. Sorry for you guys that are listening to the podcast. I'm not going to edit that out. I also need beverage breaks because I'm the only one talking and I'm talking for 30 minutes straight, and that's only half of the episode. Okay, so now we are going to dive into, let's look at the rest of the conference. Let's see how they looked um, in week three. 
So I'm going to pull this up. Give me just one second. So we are looking up at the big sky. So let's see who they played. Montana State, they played San Diego, who's kind of the punching bag of the big sky. They did what they were supposed to do. Montana State looks extremely good. Uh, they won 52 to 10. Idaho played Oregon State. Oregon State was supposed to win that game. Idaho, I thought, would be able to put up a couple points on the board, but Oregon State shut them out 42-0. It is what it is. It's a P5 team. Sacramento State played Cal. Sac State did not look that bad against Cal. Cal won 42-30. That's a solid loss to a P5 program. Northern Colorado was playing Lamar. Lamar visited Northern Colorado, and I was kind of high on Northern Colorado the last few weeks. They completely shut out Houston Baptist. They looked pretty good against Colorado for what they were expected to do. So I was like, oh, man, this could be one of those games where Northern Colorado wins by 17. You know, it doesn't happen that often. The spread was pretty, pretty impressive. I mean, all the betters in Vegas said Northern Colorado was supposed to dominate this game. Mark came in there, overtime, 117 to 10. Maybe Northern Colorado is not as improved as we all thought. You know, maybe they are still the worst team in the big sky. We'll have to wait and see. Already covered Eastern Washington. Western Oregon versus Portland State. Western Oregon is a type of team that's going to get beat by Central Washington by like 55 to 10. That's the type of program this is. Uh, Western Oregon was very competitive with Portland State. So Portland State won 21 to 7, but it was a very competitive game. Um, the WAC school Southern Utah that we are going to play and we're going to preview a little bit. They played Tarleton State. That's the new FCS team coming from the Fort Worth area. Uh, Southern Utah 140 to 35 on the road. Props to them. Um, South Dakota absolutely dominated Cal Poly. Bo Baldwin, I'm sorry you're not having a good first year and a half coming into this program. I know you don't have your players yet. As Eastern fans, we are going to root for you, Cal Poly. I hope you figure it out. I think it's going to take a couple years. You're not looking too hot. James Madison, that was the game of the week. They came out. They played Weber State. You know what? Props to Weber State. I mean, the score, the game wasn't as close as the score showed. It was 37 to 24, but Weber State, you're on your third string quarterback. I think you did fine. I really thought even before all the injuries that Weber was going to lose like 42 to 17 or 38 to 13. I thought it was going to be that type of game. So you actually beat my expectations. James Madison is a beast of a program. They got great defense, great offense. I thought stylistically this was a nightmare matchup for you. Hold your head up high, 37 to 24, and you were playing with your third-string quarterback. And it was at halftime, it was 3 to basically 10, right? Weber State was on the one-yard line. They were about to punch it in for the score. Their quarterback falls backwards, trips, fumbles the ball. James Madison takes it for a 99-yard touchdown. That was the game ceiling drive already. That shifted all momentum that maybe Weber had. If Weber wins there, it's a very close 10 to 10 game at halftime. Who knows what could have happened? But yeah, Weber, it is James Madison. It, it is what it is. James Madison is a title contender. They're probably going to be in the Frisco this year. So that type of stuff's going to happen. Dixie State, the other punching bag of the big sky. Give props to Dixie State. A new D2 team coming to FCS. They decided. We're not gonna we're not gonna start the season easy. We're gonna play everyone. Montana, Weber, UC Davis, all these top tier programs, Dixie State's like, come get us. Uh we're, let's let's get initiated into D1 right away. They're not looking good. UC Davis completely tore them up 60 to 27. And then the game of the week. You know, not not the most anticipated game. This is just the most shocking game. 
Northern Arizona, who started off just looking like the worst team, the big sky, 0-2, getting murdered by Sam Houston State, which is okay. Getting murdered by South Dakota. South Dakota looks a little bit better than we thought, but South Dakota is not a top tier of Missouri Valley team. They're a bottom half Missouri Valley team. And then you go and play Big Brother Arizona. I think last time you guys played him was like a 70 to 7 point game. NAU came in getting the big sky. It's fourth upset over the FBS this season. Northern Arizona wins 21 to 19. Casey Everett, if you are listening, congrats, my friend. That is the NAU and Big Sky podcast uh, host. So congrats. I hope you are still living this up. I know what it feels to beat your big boy in state. You know, not rival because they don't ever view us as a rival, but beat that big time program that always makes fun of your school. All of that D2 school, all this and that. You guys suck. I know what it's like to beat those teams. So I hope you're having a good time. Uh, That was completely awesome. Love everything about it. Good job, Big Sky. You look overall really good. A couple of the bottom tier teams are starting to look better. Some of the top tier teams look, eh, we'll see. Actually, the top tier looks pretty damn good overall. Man, talking this much. You you definitely need this beer flowing down your throat. Okay. We are going to preview Southern Utah, though. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about some of the stats. Actually, before we... We're not going to preview Southern Utah right now. Let's go over this. A couple of things to be proud of about Eastern Washington. Then we're going to go um, over the stats. Eastern Washington, in their first three games... The number two overall offense, um, 235 plays. We've already had 1,870 yards. We're averaging eight yards of play, 20 offensive touchdowns, 623.3 yards game. Insane. Now let's look at some of these individual accolades already. Okay. I don't think it is. I don't think it's going to surprise anyone when you're looking up this Eric Berrier, Number two in total yards, number two in total touchdowns. Um, you know, Ren Hefley from Presbyterian is the number one in each, but he's also played, I don't even think they're division two schools. And the only division one team he's played is a bad division one team, and they just lost 72 to zero. So you know what? Ren Hefley, you're you, you have zero touchdowns. You don't look good against D1. So Eric Berry, you are right now the number one quarterback in the FCS like we all thought. You have 1,180 passing yards within three games. You have 12 passing TDs and another rushing with your only two interceptions. That is a hell of a performance right now. Your passing efficiency is right now number four in the nation um, at a 186.71. That is insane. And two of the people that are above you, they've only played two games. Um, and one of them is against D2. So we'll have to see. But, you know, you have Cole Johnson from James Madison, very efficient right now. Uh, 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions. He does not throw the ball as much as you, but he's looking phenomenal. You know, uh Kuhn from South Dakota State, he's looking phenomenal too. And I was a little bit iffy on him coming into the season because he came from Sanford and we saw – He looked really good at Sanford sometimes, and he looked really bad versus bad competition sometimes. Overall, Eric Barrier, you are on your way to win the Nash or the Walter Payton if you continue to place, you know, like this. But let's talk about something else that maybe you're not fully aware of. We're going to talk about our running game. 
what? What? Oh, are we going to talk about Taiwan Jones? No. Are we going to talk about Sam McPherson? No. We're going to talk about Dennis Merritt. He has been blasted out of a cannon. So he has three games in, of course. He's rushed 40 attempts, 20 below the top guy, right? He has four rushing touchdowns, which puts him in first place. He has 326 yards, which puts him in second place. He's number two running back in the FCS right now. Now, will that last? I have no clue. You know, we're going to play some really tough competition in this upcoming years, and I'm sure all the numbers will be affected a little bit. But in the first three games, our running game, phenomenal. Um, you got to be pretty ha- happy about what we are doing. Dennis Merritt, hats off to you. Rushing offense, we are, uh, let's see, we're ranked number 20 in the nation. That's pretty good for how for being what probably the number two offensive passing team defense. I'm not going to go over those stats, but we're not last. We have some room to improve. All right. Now we're going to look at this Southern Utah game. Okay. So Southern Utah on the year right now, they're one and two. Um, I don't really know what to think about Southern Utah right now, because at the end of the day in the spring season, they were about eight seconds from beating a lot of teams. But they lost to San Jose State FBS 45-14. They lost a top 25 Arizona State 41-14. And then they played Tarleton State, brand new F- FCS team. They won 40-35 to on the road. Um, I'm not really sure, again, what to think about them. But let's kind of break down some of their best weapons. So Justin Miller, their quarterback, uh, he's thrown for 567 yards, 61-ish percent. He's had four touchdowns to five interceptions. Um, averaging six yards of play. He, I don't think he's horrible. He's had a tough few games, but I mean, look at some of the competition he was playing. So I don't think we can judge too much on that. Their number one running back, um, Karis Davis. So he's had 22 attempts, 92 yards is averaging 4.2 yards of play. He has one touchdown and then they're, they're running back number two, David Moore, the second or the third. No, it's the third. 19 attempts, 71 yards, 21 is his long, and he has two touchdowns. Overall, they're not playing great football, but take it with a grain of salt because of who they played. Um, here's a guy we have to look out for. I can never pronounce his last name wrong or right, but he's their their life on defense. I mean, Kohono. Ohona, Ona, Oahu. I don't, I don't know. Um, Davis, I, Chris Hammond from Tubbs at the club pronounces his name perfectly. And I am so sorry. Um, if you, if you are hurt hearing this and you heard me just butcher this, um, your last name does not deserve to get butchered because you are one of the best defensive players in the big sky. Right now he has 20 tackles, one interception, not groundbreaking stats or not anything to be like, Oh my gosh. But when you watch him play, he plays better than those stats. He is an absolute beast on the field. He's going to be everywhere. Um, he he's a he's a nightmare to walk, look out for. Overall, I think he's really the only one we need to be concerned about defensively. Um, but Davis, Co- I'm going to try and pronounce it. Ko Kaho Ohano Hano Davis. Okay, Kaho Ohano Ohano Davis. I think that was pretty good. Yeah, he's 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 a he's a man. He's a bear. He's a beast. He's a definitely a guy we are going to have to look at when we play them 
It is in Cedar City, so this is going to be our four or third road game um, of the season already in four weeks. But I, I'm not too worried. Let's kind of look at some of their um, team statistics for, let's say, defensive, because that's going to kind of be the the thing. So for scoring offense, again, it's hard to really validate because of who they played. Um, they got to be probably in the bottom half. Let's see here. Yeah, they're going to be in the bottom half um, because they played two beastly teams. Um, but let's look at their actual defensive stats because this is this is where it's going to be a little bit interesting to see how they match up defensively against us. So scoring defense, they are... My computer's a little slow, so they're ranked 102 in the nation. So they're giving up quite a bit of points to to give an example of where Eastern is. So they're 102, and no one's really talking about their defense. Eastern Washington, we are right now 82. So we, we give about give up about 10 points less. Now, they have had a little bit harder of a schedule. And, I mean, we've really only looked bad defensively in one game. So it is what it is. That one game bolted us from a top 30 statistic defense all the way down to, you know, 82. It is what it is. Um, yeah, those are, those are our keys to, to really look out for. I don't think offensively we're going to have too much of a tough time. The only thing that's making me a little nervous is maybe the, the short rebound time with the traveling. So, I mean, when you're going to East coast, basically, I mean, Western Illinois, it's pretty far East for Eastern Washington. I'll, I'll just say that, but when you're going that far and then you're coming back and you already had a lot of dehydration issues and then you got to travel down again. Now, the good news is Southern Utah is not too far. It's far from most conferences. Most conferences, that would be their furthest game on the season. For Big Sky, it is what it is. We're used to that. Um, and they are higher up in elevation, so that always kind of plays a factor too. But I don't think we have too much of an issue you know, getting the ball down the field. Um, I just hope we look a little bit better defensively. I'm going to say my fearless score prediction, Eastern Washington, Eastern Washington 42, Southern Utah. Let's go 28. 42-28. I think we we start the season 4-0. Um, yeah, that's about it. That's all I have for you guys. Hopefully you enjoyed this show. Again, I know I ramble. I have no clue what I'm talking about 99% of the time. But I need to get a show out to you. I've been so busy I did not prep anything. Uh, so that's why you saw me kind of looking at the computer screen a lot over here on my number two. I'm looking up stuff while I'm talking and I'm talking while I'm looking up stuff. And then I have to have some beer in between every now and then too, just to let my cotton mouth dry out guys. Hope you have a great rest of the week. Uh, we got some exciting football. Uh, we'll, we'll post another one. And then next week we're going to be previewing how we played against Southern Utah and getting ready for the rivalry. You know, the old Grizzlies are coming back to Eastern Washington for the first time since 2016. So that that's going to be pretty fun. So I hope you guys have a great rest of the day. Please like, subscribe, rate, do whatever you do. You can find us on the FCS Fans Nation YouTube network. Plus, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, again, goodbye. Go Eags. 